Hey everyone, welcome to our very first live episode of Malcast. This is actually episode five. Um, we've been working through some technical experimentation and we think that we're finally ready to go live. So, um, since our first four episodes aren't up yet because we have to edit some stuff uh, out that I screwed up technical wise, I'll introduce myself. My name is James Jacobs, I'm a CPA uh, in the state of Iowa and. Um, I'll switch it over to Patrick so that he can introduce himself. I'm uh, an Irish, Italian uh, young male. All right, Travis, your turn. Hey there, I'm just your average run-of-the-mill security guard. Didn't go to college because I didn't have the money, but here I am. Complaining about things on the internet, as is the American way. As is tradition. All right, so today we're going to be talking about uh, movies and American culture. Patrick has some very strong feelings about some of some recent releases. Uh, so they're literally trash. I guess I'll throw it off to him. Okay, so I'm so I saw Vanguard recently. Um, so me and my me and my fiance we have a thing where we we go see uh, movies uh, at least once a week if we can. Uh, it's been a little bit more difficult lately because we're about to get married. Um, but yeah, so so we went to go see a couple of these movies recently. Recent releases. And uh, they are absolute dog shit. Like, I really can't stress it enough how bad these recent movies are. And I don't recommend anyone to watch um, any of these. Okay. So... This first one that we have here, pull up, pull up Vanguard, because this one is the one that I feel the strongest about. Vanguard. Yeah. All um. Right. So Vanguard is dog shit, dog water. I don't know. Am I, am I allowed to curse? On you are not. You are not allowed to curse. Okay. We're off to a good start. Okay. Good. As long as, as long as uh, I'm making sure that uh, that I'm following these rules here. Uh, it is so bad. The dialogue is incredibly cringeworthy. So, like, this movie was made by some Chinese production company, and the point of it is essentially Chinese propaganda, and I'm not being, like, I'm not going off the rails on this. There's a lot of people who think it's Chinese propaganda that are not crazy people. Um, it is terrible, and the, the dialogue is cringeworthy. The action is really, really bad, Okay. I saw that I didn't really look too much into it when we went to go see it. I was like, oh, it's got Jackie Chan. It's got to be good. You know, because I remember Jackie Chan, like uh, his spy movie that I can't remember the name of right now. I, 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 that. Well, I was going to say, um, I remember Rush Hour. I loved the Rush Hour movies. Oh, yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, no, that, that's also that's also really good um, for sure. But besides that, I don't I don't really have any thoughts about um, about Jackie Chan, but this movie made me absolutely hate him. Like I can't, I can't stress that enough. It deserves lower than twenty nine percent on Tomato Meter and lower than fifty percent on the audience score. Way, way lower. That is, there's a too generous uh, of a score right there. It's like it, it has a completely different culture behind it as well, which I think is what threw me off so much. Uh, and you can, it's really apparent in the dialogue because different cultural production companies, so like French companies, for example, will shoot things completely different than American companies. 
And one of the most jarring differences that I've noticed is with French film, things will happen in French film that have nothing to do with the film. Whereas in American film, if they go out to dinner, that means that a plot point is going to happen at the dinner. In a French film, they might just be going out to dinner because they're people. And that's just something that they do. And no plot gets developed. There's no, you could cut out that scene and the movie would be totally fine. Can't do that with American films. And I'm starting to think that with Chinese films, there's a, they're really high context people. So that's why the dialogue is more awkward to like a low context culture like us. Yeah, I mean, I don't have... What was the overall plot of it? Uh, the overall plot of it was essentially this... Uh, so, so there's this secret agent organization, like um, the CIA or something, it's called Vanguard, that is independent of China, but, like, is China, right? And there's a terrorist organization called the Brothers of Vengeance, which is the most edgy 14-year-old name ever, um, that is essentially um, trying to kidnap this one Chinese accountant guy. And they fail, and then they, to get the guy, because Vanguard comes in and, you know, helps him out. <clears throat> um, and then uh, they go after his daughter. Okay. Oh, no, no, they do get him. They do get him, my bad. They do get the guy. They end up catching the accountant guy, and Vanguard fails, which is, like, not okay. And then then they are trying to bribe him or something to do something. I can't remember exactly what they were trying to get out of him, but for some reason they really wanted him to do a thing. And then they go and try to abduct uh, his daughter, who is shooting nature documentaries in Africa, and you have the cringiest uh, poaching gang that is just a bunch of Americans called the Arctic Wolves. Oh okay, God. like, this is basically written by a 14-year-old. I, I swear to God. And well, then they have the weirdest jet ski chase I've ever seen. Well, the question becomes, you may, you mentioned earlier that it was, did, did you say something about propaganda? Yeah, it's So the question becomes, what's the message of the propaganda they're trying to push? Because, I mean, we see this a lot in in movies of the last few years. I mean, movies have always tried to get across a cultural message, unless they're just like a comedy or whatever, and they're just there for the ha-has. But, um, so the question becomes, what, what message is it trying to push, and does it deliver it effectively and in a way that do- isn't blatantly obvious that they're trying to push an agenda? Um I haven't seen the movie, so I'll let you answer that. Yeah, I mean, it's... I would say they're trying to push the agenda that would be pushed by American films, such as... Um, uh, what's, I can't remember the name of it. It's called, but it's got uh, Danger Zone in it. What's what's that movie? Danger Zone? I have no idea. No, it, it's not Danger Zone. That's the name of the song that that, that is in it. Uh, Top Gun. That's what it is. Um, it's like, it's actually Top Gun, but really poorly made in my opinion but for for chinese audience the sense that to reinforce an idea of like chinese superiority in the sense that this this company this organization can go everywhere and can fight anybody and wins and is super cool and edgy and all these kind of things was it marketed for america or was it marketed for china i'm pretty sure it was marketed for china all right so uh, it makes sense that it pushed that message in china um, if, if that was what it was marketing towards the fact that 
it just happened we saw it here kind of like when you watch a bollywood film yeah it's kind of ridiculous you know you don't have to take it too seriously yeah no i mean i think that's a good point yeah but uh let's get off of let's get off of this chinese film though it, it is really bad i do not recommend anyone spending any money on this uh and do not watch it uh go read the wikipedia for it because you'll just you'll get effectively the same value out of that as if you went and watched the film um that's fair yeah let's let's change this to let let him go because i had a huge bone to pick with this movie as well this is also really bad and this is an american movie made for american audience okay i just have to say though i cannot i can't remember who um the name of this actor but kevin costner kevin Co- okay yeah i have to say i love i love so you're you're picking a lot of movies that you don't like with actors that i absolutely love hey, i like kevin costner too i like uh, uh um jackie chan too like i like both of those people and i don't know what happened here <laughs> like it's terrible um and that so this movie is almost two hours long and it felt like six hours long of a movie it was so boring for about half of the movie and then the second half of the movie was so stupid like the boringness had no payoff because i hated the second half too um so so to give you a quick synopsis this one i remember a lot better because i was just confused during a majority of vanguard as to what was going on because okay what one last thing about vanguard it was dubbed over in English. Oh, goodness. Oh, wow. <laughs> really, okay. really poorly. So I couldn't understand what they were saying. I was so confused. Um, but because there's like good English dubs, like, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! But like this. Well, it's, so- it, dubbing animation is different than dubbing live yeah, action. Also true. Also true. But anyway, so, so the plot of this movie is effectively you have this, you know, retired rancher guy. He's a sheriff. You know, he's a retired sheriff. Um who lives on a ranch in, like, rural, middle-of-nowhere Montana um, with his wife, who's also ancient, and uh, their only son, his wife, and then their newborn son of, of his son and wife, right? Uh, so the movie starts off with, like, you know, happy-go-lucky family. Son dies right in, like, the first five minutes of the movie. I'm not spoiling. I'm going to spoil the whole movie, though, but I'm not spoiling anything yet. Spoiler warning. Um, but just fair warning it's gonna get spoiled um but yeah so so son dies right and then the wife remarries um because she you know 1960s she's not gonna be able to support herself and a son okay so it's like yeah okay totally understandable in that sense um and uh they're um totally comfortable with that like the the parents are comfortable with that they don't really know this new guy too well but also, like, she's not their daughter. So, like, it's a kind of a, like, a complicated thing. And it sets up a really interesting premise. But it's so boringly produced that I was like, this is an interesting premise, but I don't really care about what's going on. <laughs> uh, for the most part. Um, and then as, as the story progresses, we see this new guy. Uh, he's, he's a wee boy is what they're called because he, that's his last name. Uh, abusing um, the chick. Or her name is Lorna. Um, and that makes the wife really pissed off. The guy, Kevin Costner, does not care. He's like, we can't do anything about it. It's not our problem. We really shouldn't be looking for problems elsewhere that, that they don't exist. And that's his entire attitude throughout the movie. And I could not agree more with him because 
his wife does everything wrong. It's like, okay, sure, sure. I can understand you getting upset with the domestic abuse. I think that's a good idea to be upset about that. But the way she goes about approaching it is like, I am morally superior to you in every way, shape, and form. You need to do exactly what I say. You have no say here. And that's their entire attitude, the whole movie. The entire movie, it's it's I'm better than you from the wife and the husband saying, listen, this is not our problem. We should just, you know, let them do it. Like, she chose this. Let her do her thing. You know, she's an adult. You know, kind of like step back, right? And it's just so annoying. There's only two characters in the movie that I liked. And that was the Native American guy that pops in about halfway through. And he is like there's a kind of a weird subplot where he's kind of getting persecuted by a town but like they let him live on the fringes and like hunt and shit um but he's cool his name is peter i think um and then the husband that was it everybody else i think sucked um but yeah so so they eventually end up actually tailing this younger family back to i think it was like north dakota or something and where they're going back to, like, the Wee Boy Ranch or whatever. Um, and they end up getting into, like, this huge altercation. They get invited over for dinner uh, before the altercation. And the freaking wife runs over, picks up the baby, and tries to hightail it out of there. <sighs> like, what are you doing? Like, if you wanted to steal the child, don't do it in the middle of dinner. Is... What you do is you're like, oh, you know, you know, it's so great. Thank you so much for having us over, Blanche, or whatever the heck her name is. Um, you know, it's, it was, it was great. Thanks for the hospitality. Do you mind if like, we could, you know, spend a little bit of time with like Lorna and, um, Jimmy or whatever. I don't know. Remember the guy's name is and like the baby and, you know, just to like hang out with them. Cause we really haven't seen them in a while since they moved up here and, you know, like be very nice about it and be like, Hey, we just want to spend time with them. And then you just be her to be like, okay, sure. You know, like you guys have been nice and you know, you understand that we're in control here. So that's fine. And then what you do is you beat the crap out of the kid, like not the baby, but like the the young dude um, that married Lorna, and then you hightail it out of there, and you just get out because they apparently like their power central is contro- controlled in North Dakota. Make your way back to Montana; they can't do anything to you, apparently. So that would have been the proper sure not to just try to steal the baby out of nowhere. So what ends up happening is then the wife goes to Lorna, who's like the younger woman tries to tell her to to get her packer stuff and leave and what lorna tries to do that gets caught at they ask her what are you doing and she's like well margaret and george are gonna come and save me so then they beat the crap out of lorna and then they drive to the hotel that or the motel that um these two guys are these uh george and, and margaret are staying at beat the crap out of them threaten them George pulls a gun because he has a gun because he's a sheriff. Points it at him, has complete control of the situation. One of the dudes charges him. He loses control of the gun. He's struggling for it. He's got three guys on him. The only two people that are not currently engaged in anything are the old lady and then the wife. And the gun is near the wife. And the wife jumps up on like a on the bed and starts doing this. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. I'm just... I was so frustrated. And then the dude gets his hand chopped off because uh, they get the gun back. They almost shoot him. He gets his hand chopped off, gets sent to the hospital. They Apparently the sheriff was going to press charges against the guy that got his hand chopped off. But then they're like, as long as you leave, we're not going to do anything. 
ends up, he goes back to the house, shoots a bunch of people, gets shot, house catches on fire, gets everyone out of there, he sacrifices himself, and the freaking wife just does this the whole time. And I was like, I was like, if you're going to be this annoying about you being better than everyone else, pay it off somehow, shoot some people, you know, like do a thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, not gonna lie, this this movie sounds absolutely all over the place. It, it is. It's just really, really bad. It's like I thought it was terrible. Jess thought it was terrible. I have no idea how it got a seventy-six percent. It well, did way lower. It, it just Kevin Costner. I'm sure his wife has it. Well, I was I was looking down, and I know it's 2020, but the it made 9.4 million dollars in the box office. Yeah, it made very very little. Like that's not even Kevin Costner's salary right there. No, no, um, it's really bad. It was what? really bad. Why didn't they ever just call the cops? Like a, she was an abusive home. They could have called the cops. Apparently, the cops were in the pocket of these people. I'm like, okay, why? But Kevin Costner's a sheriff. No, he was a sheriff of a different town. He was a sheriff of Montana. They're in North Dakota. A bunch of thugs. Yeah, no, I mean you're right, but like, (sighs) I see. See, here's the thing. Here's what confuses me: the the sheriff of the town that they were in in North Dakota um, was like, oh, they're too powerful. Like, we can't fight against them or whatever, you know. That kind of thing. This dude went and like killed four of them in their like kind of half of them in their sleep and half of them not. With one shotgun, a double barrel shotgun, he killed four of them. So you had to reload it with one hand and still beat them. <laughs> like and they're like, oh, we can't do anything about it. we can't do anything about these people that run the town. Like there's no way, you know. It's like, dude, one guy who's crippled and eighty years old was able to kill them. Like, what? okay this this is an issue that a lot of movies have though where it you know how something something happens to a protagonist in a movie and then they survive or they manage to triumph just because they have plot armor yeah it's kind of the same deal where they need the story to go somewhere so rather than making making everything make sense so that the story can get from point a to point b they just throw in dialogue saying it has to be this way there's no other reason it's it they don't need to put any logic behind it and then you know like audiences tend to suspend their disbelief when they go to a lot of these movies but that's asking an awful lot from what it sounds like this movie's trying to do i'd rather be a villain than a nonsensical situation like if they make the villain believable like if they were part of an actual gang that had like real threat to it not it just... was more than just like four dudes and their mom. Basically. Yeah, it was four dudes and an old ass woman. Like that's it. That was the wee boy threat, right? It made no sense. Okay, it I feel was like so bad. This is like Hatfield McCoy syndrome. This country's obsessed with the story of the Hatfield McCoys, and so they just tend to try to recreate it everywhere. Plus, like, this sounds like the obsession with the whole backwoods hillbilly, proud boy Wrong threat dude. that. The media likes to run with these days i mean it could be it, it's, i mean that's it, exactly it, what it sounds like to me build as a neo-western a neo-western yeah so like it's supposed to be along the lines of like no country for old men um and then i don't know very many others <laughs> it would be along uh, those lines. the mandalorian is a western but they actually do it well yeah yeah that's actually a very good movie uh, this is not. Um, 
So I don't know why uh, like that. This, this okay. So no country for old men. Guess how much it made in the box office? Oh. Eight yes. uh eight hundred million dollars, and that's not a just for inflation. That's my guess. Um, I don't know about inflation, but no, it's not eight. That's a really high. Uh, no, <laughs> that movie came out in the nineties, didn't it? Oh, it came out in two thousand. 2007? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, wow, I'm old. released on uh, <laughs> November 9th, 2007. But yeah, guess, guess, give me a reasonable box office number. I thought that was reasonable. I don't know, 250 million? It's still a little bit high. It's at, uh, Travis, do you have a guess? 150. That's low. Uh, 171.6 million. It made like almost an order of more than an, a double an order of magnitude more than this movie. And this movie was garbage, <laughs> which is why Kevin Costner could save it. Huh? No, not even not Kevin, even Kevin Costner. Costner. Not even Kevin Costner is able to save it, which is uh, sad. Just, just a heads up, I have about four minutes left until I have to get ready for work. Oh, okay, no worries. Um, do you have any movies that you've seen recently that you want to talk about, Travis? Um, movies I've seen recently. I haven't watched a whole lot of movies. I've mostly just been rewatching old TV series like Stranger Things. Although Stranger Things is coming out with season four, and I think that's noteworthy. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Well, I mean, like, like, here's here's my question for you. Why do you think Stranger Things is is has been such a hit? It's coming right at the age where like a lot of people my age, all they want is novelty '90s, and I know it's not novelty '90s. I know it's not, but it does have a novelty sense to it. You know, it's kind of just this old rough and tumble for the most part of it with a little bit of uh, horror in it. I mean, I think people my age gravitate towards that a lot because we're often obsessed with novelty more than anything. Like, yeah, no, I mean, go ahead. No, I, I was just gonna say, I think that it, the reason it's doing so well is because it's really appealing to the childhood of people who are in the key demo right now. Right, it's it's appealing to people between the ages of, I would say, twenty to forty, you know, uh, in the sense of like, what our childhood, what we, how we remember the childhood. Not exact. It's not like you said. It's not exactly the nineties, but it has that like old timer, in the sense of twenty years ago feel, of what we grew up with, essentially. Plus, it's always the, uh, it has really good foundations, and they do the suspense just. No. Um, first time watching it through, you never know what's going to happen next. And the way they build it, they, they fake you out sometimes. It's just really, it goes on constantly. You always want to play that next episode. And I think that's also attributed to the fact that they release a season at a time. So then they'll sit down and they'll want to nonstop play through the season. It's just yeah. there at access. Okay, one question that I do have, though, for both of you. What are your thoughts about this whole... Uh, ever since you know Netflix began streaming, instead of an episode comes out, you wait for a week. An episode comes out, you wait for a week. You have time to talk to your friends about it, speculate. Like now, an entire season comes out, you can binge watch 12, 24, however many episodes it is over a weekend or a week, and you don't have to actually wait in between each episode. So you're really only waiting a year for a season rather than a week for each episode. Do you think that takes away from? Um, from some 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 of the emotion that sto uh, story writers can kind of try to make their audiences feel that anticipation. 
Not really. Uh, I prefer it this way because going week by week could build anticipation for some people. But when you're busy with work, school, whatever, friends, you might not be able to hit the deadline of when it comes out, and then it might get spoiled that way, whereas opposed you just are prepared for uh, media for spoilers, so you just avoid it. But also, you kind of lose your connection to the characters or events going on at the time if you have to wait a whole week. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, I, I think I'm going to disagree and say that I think that the... Um the the entire season at a time thing i think is really destructive um for people's attention spans so like for example we could handle you know 10 15 years ago not being able to see everything at once like we didn't need instant gratification we could watch something talk about it for the whole week right and then see it again and it was this big event right and this is kind of something that i experienced with game of thrones is you know, me and my friends were all super into Game of Thrones, and season eight was a huge disappointment there. But we yeah. were we, we would see it, you know, on Wednesday night or whatever. We it would be a whole thing. We'd get like all these drinks, you know, we'd get popcorn, you know, pizza. It was a big event, effectively. It was super fun, um, and I was really happy to be involved. And you know, we would talk about it the whole week. We're like, oh, we, what do you think is going to happen here? You know, like, oh, I don't know, what the Night King's going to do blah blah, you know, like that kind of stuff. And it made it made the watching of the show a catalyst for further social interaction throughout a week. And then, you know, that would restart as opposed to we can binge it all in one day and then well, now we know how it ends. Right. And you know, like nothing to talk about, you know. I always I think back to The Walking Dead back when I was like when it was new, you know, seasons one, two and three and I was really into it. Uh, I think that AMC did a fantastic job at kind of um, leaning into exactly what you're talking about, Patrick, because they'd show the episode, and then immediately after, they had this hour-long talk show um, where they ha would have some, act some of the actors on, uh, questions from the audience, from the internet, and just kind of talk about the episode, because every single episode ended on a cliffhanger. Yep, and then as they should, theoretically. Yeah, and then they would have this talk show and just kind of build up the hype. And then you'd go to school the next week, all the teachers would be talking about what happened. You know, they would always ask, I remember, um, they would always ask, has everyone seen The Walking Dead? And if someone said no, they'd be like, all right, I want you to leave the classroom for about five, ten minutes. And then, you know, the, it, they leaned into that uh, weekly cycle the because it, it built up the hype for the next week. And um, I loved Game of Thrones up until, you know, most, you know, Season seven was kind of iffy, and season eight was a dumpster fire. Season seven, season seven was like, it was the only reason season seven was iffy is because we had so many expectations for it, in the sense of like stuff that's been set up that hasn't been paid off yet, and we were hoping it would be paid off in season seven. That's what I think about season seven. Try, right. Do you have, do you have a response to to our points with the? Uh, with that I mean, idea? I come, I come from uh, more of a social permit uh, point of view myself because i value it's being social a lot less as the times go on yeah throughout high school it was nice but now i'm more interested in seeing it play out myself than discussing it with others which hurts on this hurt uh, a lot of people enjoy that social aspect but i myself uh prefer to talk of the conclude talk of conclusion as opposed to what's supposed to happen like i've talked doctor who with a lot of my friends 
and we will go cycle by cycle or we can nitpick back like we talk about season 10 and then jump back to season two about something that lined up here and we'd have a lot of fun talking about the character's core as opposed to what might happen um more breaking down the scene for what we already know and i like i like to focus on that uh it helps with character analysis a lot you know like i could give you essays on peter capaldi's version of the doctor just from everything i've seen and my friends and i will talk about it but we'll always have something new to say because it's always deep enough there's always more to dig in uh i mean i mean that's a good point in the sense that from an introverted perspective since you're not really looking for the social aspect of it that it would be a non-factor for you like it's a variable that you don't necessarily care about uh but i mean even in that sense like while that is you know that's a good point um for that i would counter and say that i think it's important to consider the fact that even if you're not socializing with people sitting there and just watching TV for eight hours straight, as opposed to spreading it out over a week makes the rest of the week rather boring uh, in comparison to that one day where you're just sitting here eating popcorn for eight hours. <laughs> and that might just be me. Then since that I don't like sitting here, just watching crap for several hours on it, I'll play stuff for several hours. Uh, <laughs> especially if I've got friends, but besides that, I don't really like sitting still for too long um, in that sense, as well as, uh i would say that having a even if even if it was every night a new episode was coming out for like a week you know you go to work you have something to come back to you know there's a reason why you want to come home and you know at that point it's more about your own scheduling and preference like i'm not going to sit here when new stranger things season four comes out i'm not going to sit here and knock it all out in one day i'm going to watch an episode or two every night after work because there's a lot of other things i want to get on with my life um, so at that point, it becomes scheduling and preference more than anything. I just yeah, know, that's true. having the choice is what I like. Having the choice as opposed to waiting a week. Um, having the choice to watch it after work on a Wednesday, after I just watched an episode on a Monday. It's a nice. As opposed to having to wait till next Monday, if I. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean that's fair. It's it's uh, coming from a. It's basically we have a different value system or things that we're considering when we're looking at this at this issue, I guess. That sense, James. What do you What do you think? Well, so two thoughts. So for me, um, I'm a very impatient person. So the advantage of being able to binge watch these things is, uh, especially if you don't have people that you're interacting with. Like I didn't mind waiting a week for for uh, Walking uh, Walking Dead because I have people to talk to, but. With Game of Thrones, you know, everyone else had was done with season seven. I was on episode one of season one. So, you know, it was I, I, I didn't have anybody to talk to. So I was happy to just binge watch, catch up. And um, it kind of satisfied the fact that I'm a very impatient person. On the other side, for me, depending on the type of show, um, I, if, it's a, if it's a good show um, that kind of encapsulates, like kind of just captures my attention and draws me in uh i get very attached to it and then binge watching it brings the end much faster than if uh it was an ongoing show they're releasing an episode a week um an example here is i didn't watch how i met your mother on 
uh, on TV as it was coming out an episode a week. I watched it on Netflix when like the final season was airing. So I basically binge watched the entire thing and I got really attached to the show, the story, the characters. And uh, for, for a lot of people, it was seven or eight years they had time to enjoy the show, whereas I had four or five months to enjoy the show. And um, I don't think that takes away from the show, but it definitely has a different emotional impact uh, for someone who, if you get really invested in it the way that I tend to do. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that, that's, that's fair. Um, I think that's a really good point in the sense that uh, – uh, sorry, I got an email from one of my students that makes no sense. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that's a good point in the sense that it, it – allowing this – allowing shows to be spread out over longer periods of time I think creates a, like, cultural subconscious surrounding the idea, surrounding the show. So, like – Compare Game of Thrones to Stranger Things. I think I think that's a really good comparison to set up. In the sense that they're multiple seasons long, they're multiple years long, but they operate in different sense. In the sense that uh, Game of Thrones is kind of more serialized, in the sense it comes out once a week, what it was coming out, and then Stranger Things is all a dump at once. And I think that at the height of Game of Thrones, it was more culturally conscious than stranger things is at, at any point during stranger things is thing so like the height of stranger things compared to the height of um game of thrones i would say the height of stranger things would be like right before season three i think because that was like the hype was really really intense then at least from my perspective i could be wrong on that one. Um, ending on the mind player was really good and it instantly set up for season three yeah, exactly. I, I think that that was, I think, because I don't think season three had as much of a impact as season two, or season one for that matter, um, I, I would say. But anyway, um, Game of Thrones, I think what contributed to that was not only the already existing fan base, right, uh, which obviously was a contributing factor, but the fact that it was, when it was released, it was spread out over a longer period of time. So then you could see, you know, in media, in social media particularly, you could see, oh, episode one comes out. Everyone's talking about episode one. Then a week later, episode two. Everyone's talking about episode two and what that means and everything like that, right? On social media. And it builds this cultural consciousness that you don't get with, with Stranger Things. Because Stranger Things, all of them are out at once. Everyone's only talking about the end of the, the season and what happened, right? They're not talking about what is happening now and where it's going. Or what's happened the past episode, what's happening now, and how that paid off, and then what they think is going to happen next, and so on and so forth down the line. And you have like you know several months long of this. You have about a couple weeks to maybe two months at most of a discussion of whatever happened in Stranger Things, and then the culture moves on. You know, and I think that that's a problem with the dump as well. And the cultural relevance is definitely a lot longer for uh, Game of Thrones, due to what you said. Um... But also, I think it's. I think it um, has to deal with the fact that it's also a lot harder to find a group to talk about everything in a dump series. We'll just call them. Uh, than it is to find people who are keeping up with the serialization, um, because you know, like I said, you'll talk to people and they'll talk about the ending, and then they don't get much further. But when you find people who were absolutely just 
enamored by the whole thing, then those type of people can sit down and talk about most of the aspects of the show over a long period of time. Um, which, yeah, they, they won't have the same level of hype as Game of Thrones. That'll never happen. But I think with its um, style, it can have the same amount of emotional connection for hardcore fans, I guess you could say. It's just the issue of finding them at that point. Not hardcore fans, but like people who want to talk about every aspect of it. Um, yeah, and I mean, and I think part of that is the fact that there's like a book series and everything that existed prior to the show, right? That could help out a lot in the sense that like, I'm more excited to see the movie Aragon, which is terrible. Um, <laughs> I read the um, so I'm so excited to see it than someone who probably hasn't read the books and went like, what the heck is going on here? I don't understand anything. Um, Stranger Things does have a book out um, that takes place between but seasons. Did it come out after? No, it's just or... something else added on if you ever okay. check it out. I was going to say, because if it came out before, then okay, then that makes sense. But like, if it's coming out after the show's already aired, then I think that that has a, doesn't have the same effect. You know? Yeah, no, you don't have that audience space. Like, there's yeah. a whole audience space there. I also think it's, um, when it comes to dumping, like, for example, I might be a lot less busy than you, Travis. Um, so you might only be able to watch one episode every other day, whereas I can watch every, every episode, an episode a day. So that by the time that you're on Wednesday, you know, let's say it releases on Monday, you're on Wednesday. I'm already an episode ahead of you. You'll be like, oh, you know, I really like, you know, where this is going or whatever. Let's just say and I go. Yeah, I can't really say anything because I might spoil it and what happens, you know, and then it moves on and we basically have to wait for you to catch up to me. And by the time you've caught up to me, you know, I've already thought in depth about the TV show. You know, I've had, I've essentially did it half in half the time that you did. So now it's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's not as exciting to talk about it. So I think it's even if you find people that have watched the entire show, it's not as exciting as well as when something comes out on a regular schedule, it's a lot more exciting to be like, oh, well, you know, Wednesday. Wednesday, since that's the day of the week that Game of Thrones is up. Wednesday is Game of Thrones night. I got to do it. That, you know, or, or D&D is Sunday night for us. So I, we got to do it. We got to Sunday night and start taking up, you know, and that, that put places a node in your brain of your, like your scheduling center, right? Of your brain in the sense of like, oh, I've got this thing to look forward to at the end of the week. No matter how bad my week is going, I've got this one thing that's constant every day at the same time that I can look forward to doing. It's going to be fun. As opposed to setting your own schedule in the sense of like, well, if my week's going crappy, I'm just going to watch it now. And that could be a positive in that sense too. But it doesn't really give you the, you know, the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel that you might be looking for because you can produce that light whenever you want to. It's not nearly as much of a draw, I would say. Well, and I was also going to say, I think that um, in addition to the social aspect that helps people get more invested in the shows and the fact that you can build up tension and anticipation for the next episode, um, I found that when I have the ability to binge watch episodes, I'll, you know, I'll take my phone. I'm at the gym. Um, I'll throw I'll throw the show on while I'm working out. So I'm kind of half paying attention, kind of not or while I'm running. Uh, It's not like me watching the show becomes a natural state. Uh, that I do while I'm doing other things rather than me taking time out of my day to sit down and really pay attention because so I'm watching initial D right now I will throw initial D on at the gym while I'm running or doing my abs or whatever and uh, Just let it play in the background and watch the show when Mandalorian comes out uh, I sit down I watch the Mandalorian 
So I end up getting more invested in the Mandalorian on an episode by episode basis. Um, I do like initial D better. That's an entirely different story because I'm into racing. Uh, of course, of course. Um, but it makes me more invested in the show that I'm sitting down and watching. And that's obviously not universal. Not everybody does that when um, these series come out that you can binge or when you're watching old series like Initial D. But I, it makes it easier to do that. Whereas if you've been waiting all week for this episode, you're not going to throw it on in the background while you're making dinner. You're going to sit down and you're going to watch it. Yeah, it it's an event. It's now no longer just, oh, it's some entertainment thing. It's an event for you. It's like going to a sports game for, for all intents and purposes. You know, it's you make a big deal. Like I said, with, at the beginning of this conversation with Game of Thrones, you know, we're busting out drinks, we're busting out popcorn. You know, it's a big thing, and you know, we're all super excited about it and that kind of stuff. So, but uh, Travis, let, uh, let's let you get the last word in on this uh, since me and James been talking a lot. Oh, I think I think his actual phone, his thing died. So I think that's the end of this. <laughs> so yeah, looks like it. Looks like it. I don't think he took the uh, my lap. Yep, nope. He didn't charge it. So. Hang on, I'm switching oh. to my camera. For anyone wondering, this is my laptop charger. This is Travis. <laughs> five minutes left. It said five. I thought we were going to wrap up in time. Yeah. It's okay, buddy. You can get ready for work. Yeah, I'm already yeah. 13 minutes over. Okay. <laughs> All right. But yeah, so James, James, you want to just sign us out here then? We'll end on that note. Yeah. Yeah, since, uh, since, since his computer died. All right. Um, yeah, I want to thank everyone for watching. We'll be back tomorrow night. Uh... What are we talking about tomorrow night, Patrick? Tomorrow night, uh, I'm going to be putting forth my argument for why we should increase taxes on billionaires. And uh, I think we're going to discuss what's going on over in your district with uh, Marionette Miller-Meeks and Rita Hart. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a touchy subject. Not very pleased about that. But so if you want to hear us rant about politics versus, versus just movies, and um, apparently we start talking about Netflix, uh, tune in tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Central Time. We'll be back. It'll just be Patrick and I. And uh, thanks for watching. Smash that like button. Leave a comment. Um, tell us how we did. 